A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the New Statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week we're talking about the BBC drama Bodyguard and the new series of The Great British Bake Off. We've also been watching Gemma Collins on Celebrity Masterchef, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. Sorry, we had a little unscheduled break last week because both Caroline and I were ill because it's autumn now and the temperature just dropped immediately and suddenly and I think half the nation got a bit sick as a result. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still a bit ill. I've sort of been malingering or sniffing my way around. It's been really persistent this round of cold for me. Yeah. And I even not to, you know, get too much into this, but I got really hopeful when I had a message from my doctors being like, you're due for a flu jab. And I was like, oh, thank God, let's get this sorted. They're like, you're due for a flu jab at the end of October. I was like, oh, great. (laughs) No, I've been sort of like holed up at home um, watching like crappy TV um, and sitting with my dog. So Mm -hmm. it's been fine. It's just bit annoying to get cold isn't it yeah you're right though the flip side of the sudden onset of autumn is the massive rise in quality in television on sort of main channels obviously like netflix is pumping stuff out year round but um definitely the kind of fall launch thing is full underway and one of the sort of big things that's happened in tv in the last few weeks that we're going to talk about now is bodyguard which is a six-part BBC drama starring Keely Hawes and Richard Madden as a British politician and her personal protection officer. It's written by Jed Mercurio, known for his work on Line of Duty and Bodies, and it's just aired its concluding episode on Sunday night. Uh, The series has been a huge ratings hit in the UK, attracting the biggest audience this year for anything other than the World Cup, and I believe Netflix have just signed a deal to distribute it everywhere else in the world. Yeah, it's been like massive water cooler TV in Britain. Mm. And yeah, I think the last episode, the final, um, got 11 million views. And just for context, the last drama um, to get even close to that was uh, the Doctor Who Christmas special in 2008. Right. Uh, (laughs) So that really um, puts into perspective that a lot of people were watching it live. And obviously the the final aired last night. um, So... That's not even including catch-up figures. So it's been a real kind of return to that 
traditional terrestrial TV viewing here because most people, yeah. I think, have been watching this at 9 p.m. on a Sunday rather than binging it, um, you know, a few weeks later. And it's really kicked off this whole conversation about spoilers and how TV works these days, right? Because unlike, I feel most of the time what the BBC does now with a prestige drama, so for instance, Killing Eve, which we're going to talk about in a future week, that's all on iPlayer now as a box set. You can watch it at your own pace. And I think therefore it's just generally accepted by people who are writing and talking about it that once a box set's been online for a few days, it's up to you to avoid spoilers if you're watching it on a slower schedule. Whereas when something is out week by week and then released for catch up, but there's no further episodes, you have to wait until the following Sunday. It's a whole different dynamic. And there was a big controversy. I say big, you know, people enjoyed the controversy around the fact that the Radio Times magazine came out with a cover partway through the series that had a massive spoiler on its front cover. Mm -hmm. But that episode had already aired. And I feel even five years ago, no one would have batted an eyelash at that. They'd be like, right, that was already on TV. In the same way that soap magazines cover stuff that's happened already in soaps and don't presume that some people are saving it all to watch at the weekend or something. Totally. And you that know? cover contained a big spoiler for the third episode in which, mild spoiler alert, a, a major character is killed off. Um, and I think the fact that they led with that spoiler so big in mm. part fueled a sort of conspiracy theory that was going yes. around um, amongst a lot of viewers that that character was not really dead and was going to come back because I think people felt like, oh, that's the press joining in with the game. Yes, um, exactly. that says this character's been killed off but like actually they wouldn't spoil us like that so it's really signaling the fact that she's not dead at all but um yes yeah, spo actually they, they don't, it, that's not what it was <laughs> they t they totally would i mean you know i in my late teens and early 20s like i was really into multiple soaps mm -hmm. and the kind of magazines that cover soaps would absolutely like two days after a big episode aired lead with like Dirty Den is gone. Well, it's a completely different culture as well with soap magazines where actually they spoil it all for you before it's even mm. on. And no one ever complains about that. Like the week no. before a major character death in EastEnders, there'll be a, there'll be a, you know, a TV, whatever magazine cover line about every, every little detail. So, um, yeah, it's weird what things are sort of acceptable to spoil and, and what aren't. Um, but yeah, and it's funny to me also how, how the BBC decides how to put stuff out, as you're saying, like Killing Eve has gone up as a box set on BBC mm. Three. With some shows, like with the with Fleabag, that that went up online, BBC Three, whole series, one drop. Or I think I think actually maybe right at the beginning it was released week by week onto BBC mm. Three, and then it was up as a box set for ages, and then they gave it a prime time slot on BBC Two. Yeah. because it was so popular and they were like actually this is a really serious amazing show that we need to get out to a lot of people um and it's interesting to me that they haven't yet done that with killing eve and seem to have no plans to do that with killing eve which i feel like had that been given the push that bodyguard has been given mm. like it's so clearly a far superior program i'm sure it was a lot more expensive to make because it came via bbc america not via the bbc um and it's just so much better. And yet they haven't pushed it in the same way as Bodyguard. So it hasn't been given the same opportunity to become this massive water cooler program. It's not far off mm. that. A lot of people are watching and talking about it. But I just felt so uh, immediately dispirited that 
bodyguard was getting all the attention that I wanted Killing Eve to get because I just, you know, love that crime thriller and think it's a better crime thriller. Um, Yes, absolutely. So I think we will say that from now on, you can expect full spoilers for Bodyguard because I do think we should get properly into it in in order to discuss it. You know, it's already been on TV, guys, so you can't complain. So, yeah, one of the biggest topics surrounding bodyguard i feel is how realistic is it slash isn't it Mm. um one of the ways i think because i don't work in an office anymore so i do not have a physical water cooler Mm -hmm. around which to talk about these things with people obviously there's twitter but the the way that really tipped me off to the fact that this was being watched and discussed by a lot of people was how much seo content there was Mm. on the internet about it Mm. every publication in britain has been doing what are the latest bodyguard conspiracy theories or is mm-hmm. Keely Hawes really dead, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And and yeah, I th- one of those articles that I've seen over and over again in like tabloids, in broadsheets is getting real police officers and politicians to write or comment about is this realistic? Like, would this actually yeah. happen like this? Yeah, I've seen a lot of When those. the answer is obviously no. Yeah. Right? I know. It's so funny because it's not, obviously what we're watching is fiction and it's meant to be Mm -hmm. like dramatic and exciting. So often you take liberties and things are a bit more absurd, but there was something implausible about Bodyguard that I feel like maybe comes from the fact that like the characters aren't well written more than it comes from the fact of the plot being absurd because I just went on BBC Five Live to talk about this um and they had frank gardner who's um a security correspondent come on the show and he was saying you know it's like completely not representative of how things really are obviously Mm. because it's fiction but you know there are lots of shows that i watch that aren't like that and i I mean again i know i've already made the comparison but killing eve is like full of hairpins to eyeballs and poisonous perfume and all kinds of completely implausible things and yet the characters are so compelling and and they feel really real and like grounded and down to earth and it's funny like bodyguard never had a sense of humor about itself it was always taking itself so seriously and that made the absurd the, the absurdity of plot feel a bit more like I felt less forgiving towards it because everyone was looking so serious all the time um and so yeah I I agree that the metric of whether a program is good should not be how believable the plot is but there was no attempt to make it feel any any sense of groundedness or any sense of realism at all no and that that for me is where it becomes humanity like the dialogue is wooden that's cringeworthy whether or not you're talking about you know someone being forced into a suicide vest against their will and then walking 10 miles across London you know like (laughs) these these things would be ridiculous anyway but when the dialogue's really wooden and people are making when characters are making completely implausible decisions to serve the plot instead of the plot serving to tell you interesting Mm. things about the characters that's when a a piece of work completely falls apart for me yeah exactly and the it could have been so interesting like the central character of the bodyguard played by Richard Madden who you will know as Rob Stark from Game of Thrones you know this character that he plays David Budd he he has PTSD from serving in Afghanistan he has all of these like complicated 
issues like whirling around in his brain where he's like it's my job to protect politicians but at the same time these are the politicians who made the decisions that led to like the terrible things I witnessed in the war and you know should I actually be seeking to put them in harm's way rather than keep them Mm. out of it so he's got some really interesting conflicts and Mm. yet somehow he just comes off as as you say really wooden and unlikable and most things are dispensed with mm. as well like those interesting Mm. elements of like tension between character after episode three they're completely gone so you can't engage with that anymore that those sort of conflicts they they just fly out the window and i think the david budd character as well is just this very like he's he's you know when they um give characters that you're meant to like flaws but they're like not real flaws so his flaws are like oh um that he's like overprotective in the extreme and it's like well yeah he's the hero of the piece so that's like good or he'll like make reckless decisions that are like everyone's like what this guy's crazy but then Mm -hmm. they're he always pulls them off so yes, he's like, he, for me, it's just a completely unrealistic character because even his flaws and his like, you know, the fact that he's like not been a great husband and has been a f- sort of vaguely absent father is like, oh, because he was such a hero in Afghanistan and now has PTSD. Like all of these things are, yeah. they're a little, it's it's just felt a little bit like, and it's so hyper-masculine and like, it's not like they're satirizing his kind of like masculine nobility really in any way. They're just kind of presenting him to you as this like hero character. And I found that a bit like, really? I'm kind of, it's just all a bit overdone. Yeah, it's all extremely overdone. I watched like four episodes on one train journey last week. And some of the set pieces are in the moment quite exciting and sort of quite Mm. well constructed so like the first everyone talks about how the first 20 minutes of the first episode are like the tensest minutes of tv that they've seen in ages and I can see that you know it's it all focuses on a kind of suspected terror attack on a train and David Budd happens to be on this train with his kids and he helps sort of you know talk down a suicide bomber yeah and like within three seconds of like witnessing one person act vaguely suspiciously by a bin he's like managed to unravel the most sophisticated terror plot of all time because he's david budd (laughs) exactly yeah so it's already absurd but some of the way that's written and constructed and filmed is really tense but you then get like at least one of those set pieces in each episode, whether it's like a sniper taking pot shots at the politician's car from the mm-hmm. roof of a building mm-hmm. or like a, you know, terrorist in a van trying to drive towards a school. Like every single episode has. And for me, they had like diminishing returns. Like each time one of those came along, I was like, oh, we're meant to feel tense now. I'm just quite bored. Yeah. Um, and they're really predictable each time. There's only one that ends up with any kind of like serious death of like Mm. a character that you're close to um and the rest of them you kind of know that this you never actually feel like these characters are in serious risk i think for the rest of them and they're you start to predict when they're coming because you'll be like well beginning of the first episode end of the last episode and like kind of in the middle of some of the middle like you see there's a there was a moment where i was watching with my boyfriend and he was like haven't had a terror attack in a while probably coming right about now and then it literally (laughs) occurred immediately you're just like yeah that's exactly it yeah it it very quickly became formulaic um and then it all culminated in this big extra long finale because the other episodes are all like 58 minutes or something and the finale is 75 which it absolutely does not need to be by the way which it does not need to be and like fully 40 minutes of it are all spent on the same incident yeah uh, which you alluded to it's where 
David Budd finds himself wearing in after a series of like implausible events that I'm not even going to go into uh he ends up wearing a suicide vest and sort of nearly being taken down by his own armed police colleagues and he convinces them to let him like walk all the way through London to where he lives so that he can show them some evidence as to why they shouldn't shoot him etc mm. um idea it just goes on forever yeah uh, and completely put pay to it I feel like the way the interest in the series had built was as you said very much around this idea that like there's a massive unrevealed twist there's a conspiracy there's maybe it's not Keely Hawes's character coming back to life but maybe it's something else like some they'd built towards this idea that there was a, a mole in the police or the security services or both and it's going to be revealed sort of um tinker tailor soldier spy style it's going to be mm. the person you least expect that kind mm. of thing and then instead of that plot sort of ratcheting up it all just kind of diffused and like everyone lived happily ever after well i mean not yeah. everyone but it just no, all I turned agree. out fine and they gave they presented with you a series of like options for how the plot mm. was going to be resolved was this um a terrorist attack from the same people who did the train incident in the first episode is this actually an attempt um on f- from organized crime to take down um security policies or maybe uh the security services are in on it and they're doing it and then the solution was like oh probably it was just like a bit of all three <laughs> you're like yeah, it was like a bit of all three and like one senior copper yeah, on the take it's just like i it's don't like, believe all you... these people would be working together in this way yeah. and like it's just it just felt like they had they had given they'd they'd get, they had no punches left to give and so mm. They just kind of said like, oh yeah, it's kind of all these things. And one twist revolved around the idea that you would never expect expect a woman to be an engineer, which was a bit weird. <laughs> which was a bit weird, yeah. And uh, well, actually one of the things that um, someone said to me early on was that actually the most unrealistic thing about Bodyguard was how many women were in like senior leadership roles in police and security services mm. and politics but in I actually show. then saw an article about that where they were all these p- police women were really outraged and like no there's actually loads yeah. of us Re- respect us <laughs> um, yeah no I'm sure but um yeah so but one of the plot twists did sort of revolve around the fact that like the most senior police woman that you've been dealing with all the way through is actually corrupt and been taking bribes from organized crime and she's the link between several of these strands and stuff um, and I, one thing that me yeah. and my boyfriend kept saying to each other that I fundamentally don't believe is the whole plot of this whole show revolves around the idea that there would be a politician trying to implement increased security measures against terrorism. That mm. is like a very controversial, you know, potentially civil liberties infringing move. And then she's murdered in a massive terrorist attack. And so they don't implement those policies. Yeah. Whereas the opposite would happen obviously the opposite would happen and if you yeah. wanted if you wanted uh to you know ensure that the government in- introduces these you policies would yeah. you would murder them not if you were trying to stop them you wouldn't like oh. it's just absolutely bonkers in a fundamental level where i'm not like oh this is like a bit silly and dramatic it's just like no this is like fundamentally at its core ridiculous and implausible so why are we taking it as seriously as we are as a nation yeah it's odd and i what made me think about it what it made me think of is uh you know when the first series of Sherlock first came out Mm. and not everybody but most people were like wow this is amazing such a cool way to like update an old story what Mm. great performances blah 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 and then as the series went on like fans peeled away and generally everyone 
the consensus shifted to like this is really ridiculous and absurd and none of it is remotely plausible Mm. like none of it was ever plausible but the characterization and the writing made you not care about that to start Mm. with and then by the end you're like what she's using a vocoder and the glass is invisible who Mm. what the hell where it was actually always that silly and I feel like bodyguard has been that silly all the time like it's fundamental like plot levers don't make any sense and yet somehow we're sort of supposed to just look past that yeah and I feel like a lot of and I'm gonna get hate probably for saying this but like a lot of uh, British BBC ITV flagship dramas like Sunday night and weeknight Mm. dramas like I feel like there's such a especially right now a a real problem with like wooden dialogue and unbelievable characters in a way that I just don't see when I'm watching something really hyped up that's on like HBO or whatever. I don't understand why we still like writers and actors and stuff are still getting away with like quite shoddy performances on really mainstream uh, British Mm -hmm. TV. And maybe I'm just like only watching the kind of like critically adored things from the US that trickle down into my sort of like specific cultural circle. And that's why it feels a bit worse. But like, I just really, I'm, I know I'm going on and on about it, but I became really obsessed with the idea that Killing Eve would be available right now and the entire nation is talking about a bodyguard. Like, it's yeah. so bad in comparison and Killing Eve is so good. It's like, do you not want your lives to be enriched by quality television? <laughs> why Why would you choose to watch Bodyguard over this? And maybe a lot of people are watching both. And uh, if you're not watching Killing Eve, make sure you watch it immediately because it is the future of television. But it's just yeah mind-boggling to me that i can still turn on a really major expensive much hyped tv show and i'm not just talking about bodyguard because there's loads of stuff on at the moment that's kind of been wrapped into this idea of like a good autumn moment of tv like press and a lot of what i'm seeing is 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 bad (laughs) trust as well yeah and you know i love michaela cole but i even tuned into that show recently and i just found it wooden and bad and i'm like how is this happening now Mm. just Oh, just it's depressing to me. Anyway, Bodyguard was good fun to watch, but it's completely crap. Killing Eve's amazing. We're going to talk about it next time, probably. Yes. Tune in for more positive chat <laughs> next time. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees Promoting for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host hey dave yeah randy since we founded bombas we've always said our socks underwear and t-shirts are super soft any new ideas maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy wait what i got it bombas 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So the next thing we're going to talk about is the Great British Bake Off, something we've talked about a lot on Seriously over the years. It's now in its ninth series, and this is the second series that's aired on Channel 4 after it left uh, the BBC a couple of years ago. Sandy Toxvig and Noel Fielding are the hosts, and Prue Leith and Paul Hollywood are judges. Uh, So far, the contestants have tackled biscuits, bread, cake, and dessert. So immediate hideous admission from me i only watched episode one which was biscuit week i kind of i've kind of fallen out of love with bake off at this point i'm the same i watched the most recent episode the dessert one in preparation for this but if we hadn't been doing this podcast about it i would not have been watching it at all Mm. and i can there are like a few reasons that i can pinpoint for that one is I hate Paul Hollywood now. Like I never liked him, but now I like fully hate him. Um, Anoush, our our colleague Anoush wrote a really good piece about how like Paul Hollywood's handshake was everything that was wrong with hypermasculinity. And she's opened my eyes. Like I I can't, I can't watch him now on TV without thinking about it. Um, And then also just the fact that it's on the stupid all four player and I have to like watch the same adverts over and over again because it gets stuck in an endless loop like Mm. it's just too difficult for me to watch now and therefore I haven't been keeping up with it yeah I find Noel Fielding difficult to watch and I was probably love him I was probably the world's biggest Noel Fielding fan when I was a teenager but I just can't I can't what is it about him on this that I think my love for him has has declined rapidly (laughs) anyway and I've you know I just there's something there's something about him that I'm like, oh, actually, is this embarrassing? I think this might be embarrassing. Um, and yeah, I just find... I, it's like watching... We'll talk about this later, but like watching Greg Wallace on MasterChef, mm. I sometimes feel like he's never had a, a conversation with a human being before in his <laughs> life. Um, and sometimes I get slight vibes of that off Noel Fielding. I agree that Paul Hollywood is just so insufferable. And also he's become a man so desperate now. Like in my day, I remember like when a Paul Hollywood handshake was like this huge deal. It was like once a series. Yeah. Yeah. And now he's like giving him out left, right and centre, like desperate to be liked. And it's just so sweaty mm-hmm. and grim. Oh, <laughs> I can't watch it. Um, yeah. Also, the pro- as- the- Sorry, you go. Okay. Also, as a side note, have you seen that he's now got his own chain of like moderately shit Costa ripoff cafes? There's what, one. At, really? Yeah. There's one at Euston Station. No, no, no. Obviously not Paul. I know. It's not, like, no, <laughs> it's like Paul Hollywood. No, cafes. like it's it's called like the Paul Hollywood Bakery or something. Oh, there's one no. at Euston Station, and it's does it have like a sports car and a man peacocking out the front? It not exactly like in font and branding terms in metaphor yes yes. in metaphor it does (laughs) and also because they sell it the time I I was in there with my cousin a few weeks ago and we just wanted like a cup of tea and some kind of pastry and all they seemed to have on sale were different kinds of like sausage roll and you had to buy it by the length so my cousin just like oh pointed out. Oh my god, at, that is the most disgusting hypermasculine thing I've ever heard. What? So my cousin just you pointed have to go at and sausage ask, roll. Like, the, the inch of sausage yes. roll that you're like masculine enough to eat. Exactly. She just pointed what? at like 
the sausage roll in the oven thing being like can I have that one please thinking it was like a normal situation and then the, the poor person serving was like do you want three inches or five? Oh no that's <laughs> horrible and phallic and grim yep it was so awful so we ended up buying oh like god I've never heard anything so horrible in my life we ended up buying like a 12 inch sausage roll just because it was funny um no <laughs> shut up <laughs> Caroline does the world know about this the world needs to know about I this. don't know I had to learn about it so so does the world I don't know but anyway all of that means that I just now I can't even when Paul Hollywood even comes on the screen I'm just cringing already before he speaks Oh my God, I don't know if I can carry on with this conversation now. I need to go and have a lie down. Oh, that is so hideous. Paul, what are you doing? Yeah, so Bake Off, I mean, I don't know if it's just a thing of like, like any sort of, um, not reality show, but like, can, you know, entertainment show that's formulaic. Is is there a sort of a peak and a trough inevitably? Yeah. Like does the enthusiasm for it build and then once everyone gets bored drop off like you know the x factor is dead the apprentice is on the way and like is this just another example of a show that sort of ran out of steam because there was there was a point where like the frenzy for it was so disproportionate and ridiculous and yeah. it was you know a kind of national joke that we were all obsessed with this baking show lol yeah. are we all so twee um but we were and now I just feel like it's become way less of a water cooler show. Like not that many people I know are like, oh my God, did you see what happened to Bake Off last yeah, night? And God, last like, series even... they tried to do that when it moved to Channel 4. But even last year I felt like it was on the way out. Yeah. I mean, even two or three years ago, like I, I lived in a house with three other people and it was pretty much the only time of the week when all four of us would commit to being in on the same night and we would like make dinner together and mm -hmm. watch it, mm -hmm. which... As I say, we didn't do it for anything else. It we was... did a baking thing in the office where we'd mm. like bring in cakes, which a lot of offices did where you would like make the loser's cake or something yeah, from the yeah. last episode. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just died a death really. I'm, you know, the contestants are perfectly nice and charming. Yeah. It's no, no shade to them, but it's just run out of steam. I think Nadia was the real peak of yes. Bake Off like yeah she was was it in her was her series also the I think feel like it was a series before that was the Baked Alaska incident and then yes. after that it was and her that. series and that and then yeah. from that point onwards it was dead in the water yeah cause, but this is what I found so hard when I was watching this episode I was trying to analyze like why other than Paul Hollywood why did I feel just so dis why did why did I just not care about it because everything else about it is still identical like uh you know, the way it's filmed, the like intercut bits of cute animals, the contestants are all like really cheery and nice. And it's like even a couple of them, even in the one episode I watched, I was like, oh yeah, if I was watching this, I would like, I would be following you. You know, I, mm -hmm. th there's nothing like inherently wrong with the way the show is made now. I, I don't really like Prue Leith. I think for reasons no, that we, dis we discussed last time in her first outing, you made a very good point about how unlike Mary Berry, who's just like, yeah, eat some cake, booze and stuff is nice. Um, her whole approach is like, is it worth the calories? Um, which I find mentalist. What an absolute idiot! Like, what? No one wants that on their baking show. Come on, I know. <laughs> um, so yeah, she she's like not great. I don't mind Sandy Toxic and Noel Fielding actually. Like, I don't mm. find Noel's bits that funny, but I do quite like their what I think must be like a genuine friendship they have now. I I like how they sort of like just touch each other on the shoulder casually and like seem seem like good mates, but. 
I don't know. I used to really like the bits where Mel and Sue went to Germany to learn about stroopwafels. Yeah, you're a freak, though. No one else <laughs> liked that, those bits. <laughs> Everyone else is like, fast forward. And Caroline yeah, was there like, ooh, stroopwafel. <laughs> I know, I love those bits. But, um, but I, don't, I don't know. So it's no one thing is basically what I'm saying. It's just a, a gradual slide into irrelevance. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, sorry if there are remaining Bake Off fans listening to Seriously. Uh, I think... I think We've run out of steam with it now. I think we're done, yeah. So last week, we decided to watch Gemma Collins on uh, the BBC food entertainment programme Celebrity Masterchef, uh, which involves getting a bunch of celebrities to do some cooking and you know then they get praised very lavishly i think for (laughs) yeah and then uh some of them go through to a final and eventually there's a winner who no one pays attention like speaking of like food-based reality shows that have very tired formats and that no one's interested in as we just were this is another one like masterchef has been running it's been going for a really long time and it just it's like on all the time because they have the regular people masterchef Celebrity MasterChef and Junior MasterChef. Like, it's never not on. Mm. Oh, and they also have the yeah, professionals. MasterChef Celebrity, MasterChef the Juniors, and MasterChef the Professionals. Yeah. That's it, right? Or is there a normal MasterChef? There as is. Well? There's like normal Some people. Randoms. Yeah. Oh, There's right, like a okay, normal fine. people one as well. That's on once but, a year. Uh, on MasterChef, they're professionals. They'll like prepare like a completely A star restaurant, Michelin star standard meal, and the judges will be like, it's disgusting. <laughs> yes. And then on like Celebrity MasterChef, someone like peels a potato, and Greg Wallace is like, that is a good potato yeah. <laughs> i'm really impressed with that actually um so it's like it's quite mental as a, as a format yeah. but yeah um but we're particularly interested the... in this this time right because Gemma collins uh of the only way is essex fame is on it yeah and um she was great predictably she's really funny um highlights for me included her <laughs> proudly telling uh the judge chefs that she had made fish on pappy pot yes <laughs> yeah that was good <laughs> that was great um i really liked they had they they do this weird bit which seems to have absolutely no relevance to who goes through or not but they have this bit where they um all go and like cook for some workers somewhere in like a yeah. work canteen and like sometime, someday it'll be air hostesses and they'll be like, it's really important that they eat their dinner. Otherwise there will be a massive international plane crash. <laughs> <laughs> they try and like race the stakes in all these like really bizarre ways. Um, or like, you know, yeah, vets sometimes. Yeah. Like I, I saw one and it was like historical reenactment yes, society in Dudley. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really bizarre stuff. And yeah, she she went into the kitchen to do that and she just literally got loads of like random kitchen staff to help her do everything yeah. like doing her chopping i, I love that that was her way as well in another episode where they again seems to have no relevance to the actual competition they make them go and like work in a fancy london restaurant for like yeah, lunch to, like, service to... which is where she learned her fish on papillon yeah but so uh she actually got in trouble part way through that when the head chef noticed that she just got all of the lads who worked in that kitchen to just do her stuff for her um, yeah. but she's so commanding she's so like, commanding it's quite inspiring to watch yeah. her just be like oh Steve mate could you help me with this please thanks so much okay thanks a lot top work and you're just like okay she's just no one else has even thought to do that and she's all her deaverish qualities obviously come through mm-hmm. but it does pay off for her somehow I also love the interviews that she you know the sort of talking head bits in between the action where they're like oh here's Gemma cooking and then they cut to like Gemma giving an interview about how it went and mm-hmm. if you actually 
she speaks such fluent reality show cliche it's 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 brilliant like if you actually really concentrate on what she's saying you're like wow this is this is like meaningless but it sounds so important yeah and she'll be like you know the stakes are really high now like blah 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 like there's no evidence of that but they just say it and she's just really good at it yeah yeah um but no she was great really charismatic um her cooking skills are obviously not amazing but she I don't know she just somehow manages to come off as likable despite kind of being a bit of a mess often on these things the one meal of hers that I saw that got really highly praised was where she just bought a load of really expensive seafood and then just you know cooked it with basic competence and then all the comments were like "Mm, this seafood it's incredible it's like "Mm, yes because it is very nice and you paid a lot of money for it There were some great moments on it though, like where this cricketer um, made sort of uh, fish, you know, batter for like a, a fried cod or whatever, but just like like a breadcrumb batter and just like completely put loads of like eggs and like cream and stuff in it <laughs> so that it was like completely wet and bizarre. And yeah, I don't know. There's just a bit like a lot of, there was someone like, I think it was the same guy actually had to do like, sweet corn yeah and it was he like didn't... meant to be off the cob and he just like put it just put a whole cob of sweet corn on the plate just like <laughs> it's just really bizarre so like that that is it is really good value for bits like that and yeah like i say i just find greg wallace absolutely bizarre on that program yeah. he always does these conversations with them where he's like so how do you feel about the final and they'll be like nervous and he'll be like oh my god why <laughs> like he talks in a completely bizarre tone like all the time and it's just like he's never ever conversed with a human being before in his life um also he so loves to mention that he was a greengrocer he mentions it like at least once an episode uh sometimes completely randomly like there's a time when uh, john tarode who is the other presenter who is an actual chef was like demonstrating how to cook a vegetable and greg wallace like slightly preempted what he was about to say that you should do and he was like i wasn't a greengrocer for nothing it's like the yeah. greengrocers don't cook things they sell them why would you know they're that? also <laughs> it's so it, the reality tv cliche thing is so true because they're always like um like whatever it is whatever meal so say you're cooking fish or like steak or rice or anything they'll be like the thing about this specific food is you cook it for too long, it's overcooked. You don't cook it enough, it's undercooked. <laughs> so that's going to be tricky. And you're like, yeah, that's all cooking. All food. This is true of all, <laughs> all food. All food. You don't undercook or overcook it. You cook it in, in the middle somewhere. In the correct um, time, yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's really funny. It will literally be like, I don't know. It, it could be like pasta. And mm-hmm. they'll be like, well, if you do it for too long, you will overcook the pasta. And you're like, yeah, we we know. We know it's a cooking show. Well done. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but it's great fun. I've been watching quite a lot of MasterChef recently because it's just like completely relaxing. It is really so relaxing. I was just going to say, for some reason, I find its tired format incredibly relaxing in a way that I don't with Bake Off. Yeah. I don't know why. But yeah, Bake Off yeah. feels more of a commitment, even uh, though they're the same length yeah anyway so yeah enjoyed Gemma Collins on MasterChef and I think I will keep watching like I will keep following it to the end so for next week Caroline I am going to recommend you something from my travels around the YouTube uh, which is Shane Dawson's recent I think five-part series called The Secret World of Jeffree Star which has been like this massive mega YouTube thing it's been viewed like 90 million times or something insane Mm. and actually kicked off this whole like it's called 
it's called drama geddon like it kicked off this massive multi-way feud in beauty youtube and stuff which has resulted in like lots of people having to apologize for previous racist posts they've made and all this kind of like it's been this whole oh, massive shit. thing but it's one of those those controversies that is like so hermetically sealed within its yeah. community that if you aren't past me but if you aren't involved if you, you know if you aren't a fan of one of the people involved or something you might never have come across it but yeah so i am going to recommend that you have a go at the first part of this series like if you get hooked on it obviously keep watching but if you don't we'll talk about why okay great looking forward to it Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show. If you'd like to come and see us in person, check out the events page of our website, seriouslypod.com slash events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you've enjoyed on the show. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.